Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined this week by Ashley Goff, and today we're going to be getting into 2018's A Quiet Place. Terry fighting a massive invasion. Total devastation. This year, if they hear you, they hunt you. A quiet place is genuinely scary, utterly riveting to its final minute. And now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. A quiet place. Goff, how are we doing today? Well, good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has been. So, Kieran, I don't really know what he's doing. He's been away for the next, I think, three weeks. was away last week. Basically, I sent you a list longer than... You can read without having to do the read more yeah, on WhatsApp. It took a while to go through that. Um, Troy the same, TK the same, and so TK's on next week. Sean's on back for a week the week after. Um, did Rambo last week. We were actually going to do A Quiet Place anyway, so it did work. did work quite well. A family struggles for survival in a world where most humans have been killed by blind but noise-sensitive creatures. They're forced to communicate in sign language to keep the creatures at bay. Same question every week. What do you think the critics thought of this? I'm going to say it was largely positive. Just on the basis that it was kind of, certainly from my perspective, it hadn't really, it was like a kind of a new thing which hadn't been done before with like so little script. Yeah, I saw, and I didn't include this, I saw it described earlier as a family-friendly horror film, which seemed to like... So the first review I've got here, it's smart, light on gore, but heavy on tension. It knows its premise and fully embraces it. Never does it feel the need to give us tedious and uninteresting exposition, nor does it overstay its welcome. It is light on gore considering there are these monsters. We see, I mean, we see a couple of bits of blood, don't we? Yeah. But I do take the point that if someone says to me, do you like horror films? I always break it down a lot. I can do the jumpy stuff. I don't want the weird supernatural kids coming out sailing, you know, I I saw that this dream. This is, I think films like this are ones that there's the biggest gulf in the experience between what you get in the cinema and what you get at home. Yeah. Because the atmosphere, the collective like tension it's in the, the screening. It's the surround this. sound. It's the not being able to see things on camera. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's kind of things like that. It's completely different experience at home. I certainly felt like, certainly felt like that when I was uh, re-watching it again the other night. Yeah. Not saying it, it was a bad film, but yeah, it's, it's one of those where you really have to see it in the cinema to appreciate it. I'm not sure how much traffic we're going to pick up on this episode. I may have to close the windows, but... It's a weirdly hot day and we're going to be burning up if not. So we'll, uh, unsure if we picked up, but if it is, there's the reasoning. I did find it compelling as long as I didn't think about what was happening. We'll get to, I didn't realise this audience existed until today. There is a portion of people out there that don't just dislike this film. They hate this film. Right. And so we'll get into some of the reasons why, but I do think there is a certain amount of, let's pretend, let's not think much deeper than what we are seeing here. Even 
the plot is basically you can pick it apart quite easily. Mm-hmm. But then for most films of this kind of genre, it's like watching a horror film and saying, well, if they didn't split up or if they didn't investigate this, yeah. we wouldn't have a film really. So you, yeah, so it's a weird thing to get worked up. You don't about. need an overly complex plot no. for a decent horror film. A Quiet Place is a film that will satisfy horror fans, but its family drama also gives it a broader appeal. Either way, it's a quietly chilling experience that you won't soon forget. Uncluttered and low-key, it's a unique and unsettling horror film, and a tightly controlled thrill ride that expertly builds tension in a dazzling high-wire act of suspense. We've mentioned it already, the cinema experience for this was unbelievable. We've just debated whether we watched it together. It sounds about right, 2018. Yeah, I think we did. The One of the good things... With how quiet the film was and with the film's premise literally being about the need for silence, there did seem to be a greater diligence from everyone in the cinema to really just eyeball anyone that was making noise because you're kind of out this film. So one of the kind of home viewing experiences I always go back to is when I watched Paranormal Activity for the first time, I went around a kid's house, I had no intention of watching a horror film, but was put in this situation where if someone says, do you want to put this on? <laughs> I've got too much money in the bank to say, <laughs> credit in the bank to say, no, no, I'd rather, I'd rather not. So I remember watching Paranormal Activity in his room, lights out, and it being the most terrifying thing <laughs> I'd ever witnessed. And no one interrupted. We didn't speak during the film. It was just pure integration in this if someone was rustling their popcorn, then it would take you out of the entire thing. Yeah. And so cinemas actually spoke about how they lost money with a lot of these screenings because when word had got out, people just stopped buying things like popcorn for this film because they didn't want to be loud. And I wish that would carry over for other films. When we watched John Wick 4... That's the worst rustling I think I've ever heard in a cinema. <laughs> I thought you were ready to throw hands at Well, there's point. a kid, and I could have picked him out of a lineup on the way out, and I couldn't see what he looked like during the film. But he sat with his hand rested in the popcorn. So when he wasn't eating the popcorn, his hand was just in it, and he was like either twiddling his fingers or whatever. And that's a like, three hour film. And it was just like crane and then rest and crane. This, it did the right thing. No one was getting too worked up in it. And I spoke about it with Everest, where it felt quieter than a silent screening. And this did match up with that from my Mm. memory. I don't know what the ideal cinema food would be. I was thinking about this earlier to say, look, if this prompted like a conversation where cinemas went, all this time, why have we been giving people the noisiest foods? Because every food, every food you buy, that I mean, they have they sell skittles at the front, skittles, yeah. nachos as yeah. well. Everything is just the loudest thing. I don't know if ice cream is a good one. If people, yeah, I don't know how much you can trust people to even to kind of scoop quietly, but ice cream is a good one. How far do you go? Because then you go with drinks and yeah. then people start slurping. Yeah, it's, I've, I've never... So... Ice cream's a good shout, but then I've never been an ice cream kind of guy at the cinema. Is, no, nor have I. And we go to the cinema 
quite a lot. I think the issue is people that don't go that off that often. And so what the people when we spot it is I'm going to the cinema, so I'm gonna They're gonna go all out. Yeah. Yeah. And so my brother, he I don't know the last time he went to the cinema that wasn't with his work and he's like, You don't get food to bring in the cinema. And he can't believe it, whereas I can quite easily sit there for two hours and not yeah. be not be eating. So it's a weird one. But then the more I've understood of kind of the business of cinema, and I've made that sound far more complex than it is, but <laughs> how basically they don't make much money on the actual films. They make the money with the trailers beforehand and the food. So it's in their best interest. To, yeah. Once you're in there, as long as nobody complains, then they're sound. I suppose with A Quiet Place, they're just going completely opposite to that. Yeah. I don't know how you... I don't remember it being an issue with R1, but I think, yeah, I think it just got stamped out pretty quickly. If I bring food in the cinema, you feel like the loudest person in the world, even if you're just unwrapping something. Mm-hmm. So choose like an explosion or something, and this didn't give you an outlet to do that. Did you ever watch Don't Breathe, the horror film? No. I saw that, and it's the closest I've seen to this, because the concept is entirely the same. They be- these kids go in to rob this guy's house. They don't realise this guy is some insane psychopath. Yeah. He's blind, but because of this, his sense of everything else is heightened, and it's them. They're now trapped in the house, and he's yeah. he's doing it. And it's, it was uh, it was a really good cinema experience again. And yeah, it was the same where there's another similar one as well where the lady's deaf. She lives in like a cabin in the woods, in a house in the woods on her own, <laughs> right. and some psychopath basically finds her and just like plays with her like he's outside the window and then obviously she realizes he's there he's there and stuff but obviously he can't she can't hear him it might be called like hush or something oh, no, yeah hush. so yeah there is something called that yeah. because I, I was looking through similar films today and that was that was up on but the again list. that would be there's a lot of silence in that so if you're yeah. looking to open a bag of popcorn then <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know when you do it yeah they set up the silence quite well in this. We get that title card to say that we're on day 89 and in a matter of minutes, they set up this like silent world completely. I think a level of understanding is kind of assumed a lot these days with the amount of marketing that's out there. So you go into this and you... I guess it's always been a thing, but you know you're, you're not watching this on a whim. It's big enough. You go in, you have the understanding. This is the thing setting it quiet world it's not catching you off guard with uh, with what you're seeing here and I think one of my favourite shots in the whole film is actually in that supermarket they're in or whatever it is at the mm-hmm. start where all the shelves are empty and there's there's one that's just filled with crisps all yeah. the crisps are still on the shelf <laughs> where they're just too noisy to be opened up and I didn't notice that the first time around I don't remember seeing it and when I saw it yesterday it's actually the, one of the best possible ways I could imagine to explain yeah. Just how delicate it is because we don't ever really get a scale and they do play with this throughout the film as to what constitutes a loud enough noise. Mm-hmm. So him chalking on the floor, that's fine. Yeah. But later in the film, they're like, Ugh! like if you creak a floorboard, for example. So it's it's a weird one like that. But that was, that was a really nice one and ties in with the cinema thing I guess yeah. because how loud someone sounds opening a bag of crisps in the cinema is exactly the same so that was that was a really good one and how hungry would you have to be in that world to oh well clearly no one's got there <laughs> yeah. yet you just have stop to... and look at the pack of walkers and think mm. yeah because even 
they've got their like soundproof room that they strangely don't use half enough. Yeah, come on to that later. But, I thought that. Yeah, but you'd even struggle to smuggle that back to your house. Like or, getting or the crisps the, home yeah. without making a noise would be an issue yeah. in itself. So I can see how it's ended up like that. Even just picking up bio crisps off a shelf. It's just there's always gonna be some sort of like rustle yeah. straight yeah. away. We just get a couple of shots. They they let the sun kind of shine on the walk back, but it's dull, it's dreary. We we know immediately it's a post kind of apocalyptic yeah. setting. <clears throat> I wanna I watched it back, I I just turned my soundbar on and I'd forgotten to turn it down before I play anything because the default is just insane. But the noise you get, kind of the overlaying for the studios and a production company that start, is so loud it's doing that like, Mm -hmm. down there. And then it's like an orchestrator stopping, a conductor stopping his orchestra, just going, and then it's just natural sounds for the first... 20, 30 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. It's it's a simple concept that's done very well. And me and Kieran speak a lot about how you don't need an hour to set up a concert. You don't need an hour to introduce, you know, this character who went to school here and he did this yeah. in three you minutes. Of, you kind of know yeah. this, don't you, straight off the bat. Three minutes, you know, the one daughter's deaf, the one kid's sick, and that's what they're getting mm-hmm. some supplies for. They're a husband and wife and you can't make a noise. Yeah. I think they, they shush people like three, four times in the first couple of minutes just <laughs> so you know. And it's just it's just really well done. Um, the kid picking up the rockets, um, having the batteries taken out and then placed... Well, even before that, when he first time. tries to get the rocket off the shelf and, yeah, the fall, yeah, and then yeah. the daughter catches it, you kind of just know like, right, okay... Yeah, they yeah. literally cannot do anything nice here to make, yeah, to make any sort of noise and they, you can almost kind of know or I think anyway as soon as that happens you think alright something's going to happen here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they do a great job where in other films you have to be quiet but not this quiet mm-hmm. and so we get like if we call them the heroes in other films, they're like whispering as they break into a building or like the floorboard creaks and they'll like grit their teeth or something. In this, we're down to the nitty gritty immediately. Like they're not letting a pillbox wobble as yeah. they're sorting through the shelf. When the kid picks up the rocket, the battery is taken out and placed back next to them. Um, You just know what's going to happen. And I don't know if you would have ever played one of those like mystery kind of escape room games on the PC. Mm-hmm. But if you'd ever asked for a hint, it would essentially either like wobble the object. It would yeah. like put it right up on this and there was no subtlety to it yeah. of like what you needed next. Or there'd be like a play an arrow pointing yeah, towards. And this basically does that. You get it with the rocket. You get it with uh, the nail that's in the floor. Mm. You get it with um, the shotgun. You get it with the timer at one stage. And they get kind of double then the impact because you get that initial, like a Final Destination film of like, oh God, I know what's going to happen here. And then because you know it's there, you're waiting for the jump scare, you're building it again. And the jump scare still hits every single time. So you milk every single thing for its worth. And it doesn't feel cheap either in the same way. There's not wind chimes. There's not... No, it's literally pure silence. Yeah, it's... Which probably adds to the suspense of even though you know it's going to happen... 
it's just a matter of like when so you're kind of in a state of ex- suspense yeah. like just building up to like hurry up and just do this thing yeah the moment where the kid gets killed that being the first proper noise we hear is mm. the rocket as he presses it yeah and so you're in as much of a I couldn't remember I feel like and you don't get this enough anymore you get sometimes don't you before a film not even a trailer you'll get like the opening scene of a film and I seem to recall one maybe for a quiet place where you either knew the kid was going to get killed or there was one that stopped as the rocket got pressed and he kind of turns I think it's the second one yeah and just so that was enough to reel you in yeah. to uh, to the film. I can't remember what it would have been for, but I definitely remember that being a thing. Yeah. And so you're waiting for that moment. I think we all kind of assumed, were well, they going to save the kid? Very rarely will you see a kid get killed it's on screen. It's a pretty screen. brutal way to start a film, isn't it? John Krasinski spoke about how the studios tried telling him... I'm not sure that's the best idea. And he's having to say, it's literally the best idea. It's, yeah. we, we said after after Game of Thrones, the, the season finale for season one, at that you just knew anyone can get it. Yeah, exactly. And once you've seen <laughs> the little kid... There's no holes barred. No, like, yeah. Just everyone is... Uh, Anyone's for the taking yeah. in this film. And I think maybe the best selling point for the monster at this stage is that the parents don't even try to fight back. So he tries to grab the kid, but there's no... The mum just freezes. Yeah. And you see later in the film that she'll do almost anything to escape them. But the parents everyone up in this film, but I'll get started. On yeah, that yeah. Everyone basically says, if they know we're here, we're fucked. We've got yeah, no choice no but to just let this back. happen. Yeah. So it's, it's like... If me and you went to a zoo and somehow you tripped and fell and you ended up in the gorilla enclosure, I would really like to save you. <laughs> but I have to acknowledge I'm just going to have to watch this happen and hope for the best. You can call me for help all you want. I'm going to say, get out, get out. I'm not going to try and get in there with you. And this is the same. They're, they're just like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you press that button? What do you now expect me to do? It The first line of voice dialogue is 37 minutes into the film where what that must be them suggesting dinner or something along mm. those lines. In order, he says, to connect with the characters, Krasinski edited the first two cuts of the film with no sound. He said that he wanted the the film to work as a silent film itself. They they didn't need the vocals to be doing anything other than, I think, just just a bit of relief. Yeah. You need the vocals turned on to then crank it back down mm-hmm. and it to hit the same, rather than it be a whole silent film. It's just the whole world is nuts in this. I know it's on was it day eighty nine? Did I say something, something like, like that? that? Yeah. The fact that three quarters of the world is dead. Yeah. Because they made a noise. Can you imagine dying in this world because you farted? That's lit <laughs> like... I'd be fucked because I snore. True. Yeah. That's just crazy to think about it. Because <laughs> this is all meant to be after the attacks at Clo- from Cloverfield, isn't it? Originally. So, right? it was going to be a Cloverfield film. It, it, it was linked to it. They say um, they were writing the film. 
it got to that stage and Paramount had some talks with them and were kind of like, we'd quite like to take this. And so it was going to be coming after... They they did the script for 10 Cloverfield Lane as yeah. well, if I'm not mistaken. And so they had the second one. They're like, we, we'd probably take that as well. And they had a couple of conversations said, Look, we like what you've done there, but as creators, we want original new ideas. And so we want that to be our own thing. So yeah, Cloverfield, it, it was going to be that thing. But yeah, it, it didn't get too far down the line, yeah. I, I believe. I wonder if it would have even been the quiet thing. There may have been a different kind of tweak to it. I don't know. But yes, yeah, sne- that's like the general basis of, of the backstory. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Imagine you felt a sneeze come in in this, <laughs> <laughs> because there's some sneezes where you just know I, I can't hold this one in. It's the same as I remember watching Jurassic Park as a kid, and then thinking, you know, when like the T Rex is like face to face, and he's just sniffing them, and they're being as quiet as possible. Yeah. And the whole time, then I was thinking, what if you like. Yeah, you sneezed or you farted or well, you, you had a hiccup. Some of it, like, so when the old man kills himself and why that guy couldn't have waited, like, two minutes, just wait yeah. for them to go past, maybe. <laughs> I understand your wife's just been... See, honest. I didn't understand that scene the first time I watched it. For some reason, in my head, I thought that he'd eaten his wife. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and hey, then, maybe. And it's only when I rewatched it again, I was like, okay, I get it. He's in grief over his wife being killed. Felt so bad. Now yeah. I understand. But the first time I was like, why has he done? Like, like, what is happening? Yeah, she looks like freshly killed as well. Yeah. And then he's basically gone, I can't do this. But yeah. seeing them, he's in some level of grief that he can't go, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going past. And yeah, my thing in films is, I never understand why someone has to have their hand put over their mouth because I feel like that kid didn't want to leave the house because he knew how bad the monsters are. <laughs> and yet he needs someone to cover his mouth so they don't then come and attack him. Yeah. Wild. He is a little bit of a titter in the film. Though. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't put it past him to start screaming. But then at the same, I'd be with him. Why do I have to go and yeah. <laughs> let's just stay here? <laughs> We know we're safe here. I don't know why the whole family has to go out. It, that feels like a whole thing in itself. Go into the shop, for example. Yeah. Why not? Two of them. Two of them. Yeah. The guy Especially and... Maybe leave the ill kid at home. Yeah, exactly. She could stay at home with the ill kid and the youngest, for example. And the daughter and the dad could go out to the shop. Yeah. The thing is, the way this world is, there has to have been some conversations with people about what foods to eat. So their stomach is not all over the shop because that can kill you. I I saw some kind of excerpts from the script and they were going to have something about using the toilet and it was going to be, they go outside in like a bag basically, but they kind of thought doesn't really add much. You can just use your imagination for that. They were going to make Emily Blunt piss in a bag basically, (laughs) which feels louder anyway. I'm not sure why the bag. I'm just thinking more, not not the number one situation, the number two, some of the noises. That's what we're all thinking. (laughs) In terms of balance, we've got a 90 minute film here. And something that feels very important is that they strike the right balance with the family scenes and the monster scenes. Like, me and Kieran did Final Destination mm-hmm. a couple of months back, and that's a 90-minute film, and the entire build-up is just the accident or the premonition, and you're not supposed to care about anyone outside of the main character. This is interesting because it's a 97-minute film, and we're supposed to care about every person on screen, 
we don't really get chance to care about the youngest kid other than the fact that he's a yeah. young kid. But they give us the them playing board games quietly. We've got uh, the daughter feeling like her dad doesn't love her or at least blames her. The mum's still trying to educate her son. The dad taking their son to the waterfall. Yeah. The the two kids talking about, you know, he doesn't love me and this and that. Oh, yes, he does. And Every yeah. so often they do this because you need some attachment to this family or it's just another family, basically. Yeah. And they do it well. They're, none of them feel long enough that you're separated from what ultimately we want to be seeing in a monster movie. It's done especially well considering the lack of dialogue mm-hmm. in it. Like, the conversations with her and the dad, they're like... 30 seconds at a time and yet we still pick up everything that we need it's good acting you can't deny it like they're definitely earning their keep it's so she the is body language and the facial expressions she is actually deaf the mm-hmm. girl um say she some some kind of medical overdose when she was younger that just her hearing basically um and i understand there's a difference with what she wears to a hearing aid right so it's not a it's something it kind of translates vibrations into something else, and yeah. that's how it works. So it's not an actual hearing aid that she wears. But yeah, all of the all of these scenes just. I think it's important that what well, we're like a year and a half in by the end of the film. So this like the kid at the start after eighty days is still saying that there's a rocket that's going to take them out of it. There's still. I guess trying to educate him for the like you know the world might get back to normal and you want to have these skills and that kind of it's very well done but the monster itself the final look of the creature wasn't fully figured out until very late they say in post production right and it is it's a bit of an issue that so many monsters look the same in films, like this looks like the one from Stranger Things. It looks yeah. like uh, the one in The Last of Us game. I've not watched the TV show and just so many more. But it, especially for like a new IP, this is such it's such a risk going for a new concept because I thought monster movies can rarely be made by just what the monster looks like. The mm-hmm. monster can look cool as anything, but if the film's shit, then the film is shit. But a film can absolutely be broken by a horrible looking monster. Yeah. If it looks too quirky, if it looks too different, if we don't associate it with what we expect an alien to look like, then we can be, can be completely turned off. So I do understand why they've gone relatively safe mm-hmm. with the concept of it. doesn't look like the Cloverfield one, so I, no. I guess they've separated it by that stage. Probably would have been those little things from the tunnel in the first one, mm-hmm. if that's the way that they were going to do it, if it had kind of gone further down the line where they're bigger, but also not like the King Kong size yeah. that you get in the first one. I guess they can they can afford to play it safe with the design of the monster as well, kind of thing, because overall, yes, we do see it a few times, but that's not like the important part of the film. It's more... no avoiding the yeah, monster yeah. Than, than actually seeing it. Yeah, by the end of it, I actually think we see it a bit too much. When mm. it's on screen, they do give us, like, everything. Like, yeah. it's gills or whatever it is opening up. It's and like head, like, opens up and closes, yeah. doesn't it? This isn't even the first time, as you've referenced, we've had a monster that hunts its prey through sand. We get that in Alien. We get that in Jurassic Park, as you've said. God knows how many others. And yet, it does still feel like a fresh version of it. Yeah, All of those... 
Alien is obviously aboard a spaceship, so that's can separate it anyway. Jurassic Park is supposed to be in today's world, so we've got all of that going on and is very specific sound, isn't it? It's the sound of you. It's not the sound of sound in general. Yeah. yeah. So this this is a this is a cool way to do it. I know John Krasinski had just signed on to do um that Tom Clancy one that he does, Jack Ryan, is that what he's called? Um and so he had this script presented to him and he wasn't that sold on it. Mm-hmm. And then someone kind of pitched it to him with the ideas and and once he heard about the family being involved and kind of the specifics of it, that was what reeled him in because yeah. he said he, he had no no real inclination to do a horror film. And this is what, what kind of got him over the line. I know there was some discussion about working with his wife. He said that he didn't want to ask her because she may agree just because it's him asking. <laughs> she may not want to do it. She may then, she likes to be very in tune with all of her work and you might not get the best out of her. There may be too much time with them spending yeah. together and all of these things. I didn't know they were t- they were a thing before this and then it was a lot of the marketing, I guess, was... Husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah, kind of thing. I thought she was brilliant in this, to be fair. Yeah, she's... I think she's phenomenal in, in most things, mm-hmm. to be fair. I've never really watched the US office, so I don't have any attachment to him in particular, which I know is a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't even know the character's name. But Emily Blunt, she's been around for as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. really. Edge of Tomorrow, have you seen that? No. That's very, you'd, you'd like that. That's very, she's with Tom Cruise in that, and they're talking about doing a sequel for it. Yep. She's in Looper, which I really need to rewatch. Looper's a good film. My favourite performance of hers is probably Sicario. I thought you were going to say The Devil Wears Prada. No, I've not seen that actually, but I'm, I'm sure I'd like it. The sequel to this is is great. She's far, she's at the front again of mm-hmm. that, and the the kids get more of the, uh, they're more front and center in this in the sequel as well. There's I don't want to say too much. There's the inevitable moment where they're separated, and yeah. so you get more of both of them. She's getting Oscar talk for Oppenheimer now, which. I know the accusation against Christopher Nolan is he he doesn't know how to write female parts basically. Yeah. Um, but I thought I mean she's she's good she's probably not on screen enough. But then say, I've not really seen the alternatives to. That's what I was going to say. What are the alternatives? She's very good to- in I guess the courtroom scene. You'd call, I don't, don't want to get spoilers away, but she's very good. Going the whole the, time she's on screen, touching lightly on like you said the Christopher Nolan female. Yeah, parts. It, it, it's kind of. The accusations against him... She has very limited stuff to do in the overall role of the film. If you were making the defence for him, you wouldn't present Oppenheimer as the defence. No. It's <laughs> how he writes it's, it's female roles. It's her and Florence Pugh and... Yeah, for they, Florence, uh, yeah, I don't think we should even put them together. No, and I'm just saying and they're, two char- they're two female characters and they don't even talk to each other in no. the whole film. No. And they're the only two females I can think of. Yeah, there's one. The you can't, yeah, background people for the yeah. rest of them. Yeah. Sicario I liked the first time and then me and Keelan did it again and then I really liked it mm-hmm. um, I need to rewatch the sequel actually um, I'm not going to throw Jungle Cruise into that no but something I will say about she's a very good interview and I've seen yeah. a lot through the Oppenheimer promos and I was watching one 
I actually don't know the guy's name, but you know that guy that does them for Radio 1 with the glasses? You'll see clips oh, of him um, all the time. Oh. oh my God, my mind's gone blank. I literally listened to him. I couldn't even Ali tell you. Plum. That's that. Ali Plum. He, he's very good, obviously. Yeah. And I've watched an interview with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski separately, but her doing both. And it must be a, a long days that they do. But the best thing I can say about her is she never seems... Like, oh God, another interview. Yeah. She's up for like every yeah, single person. Yeah, it's very comes good. She, she might be good in. I haven't seen her in Edge of Tomorrow. She'd be good in a Mission Impossible film if uh, Tom. I don't know if the next one's the last one with Tom Cruise. Don't um, think the next one's ever the last one, <laughs> last no. one with that. But no, I could see her filling, filling a role in that easily. You've not watched the latest Mission Not the brand new one, no. Very good. Very, very good. Um, I think I've seen up to the one before, I think. Is, Trouble with my, the, my viewings of the Mission Impossible films is I've not particularly watched them in any order. I've just... Yeah, I started on three. Yeah. And then I started going, two is... Yeah, two is... Two's there, yeah. basically. Two is... Uh, they try and say, the first one was good, mm-hmm. but would it be better if he was James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> and they try and make him this, like, slick... <laughs> punchline guy and it's just horrible it just doesn't work and then the new director comes on after the third I think and then they just go yeah Christopher McQuarrie yeah very good is her stepping on the nail the most horrific part of this whole film yes in a film that is full of and the monsters. thing is again if you've seen any horror film you kind of know it's going to happen yeah, and yeah. still that does not prepare you like it's just what well, it's awful. kind of like you can see a leg break in real time on Sky and yeah. then Sky won't give you the aftermath as much as I usually do want to see it, but they won't give you it. I've never seen before quite the extended play where she's having to pull her foot yeah. out of the nail, not even pull the nail out of her foot. She's pulling her foot up and out and of the nail. And remember not to make a single bit of noise whilst this happens as well. Yeah, do you think they should have done more with, I mean, obviously she's got a wound in her foot after that and mm-hmm. I understand the adrenaline and all of that yeah. we kind of just brush it to the side after yeah, that happens she just kind of lives with it like there's no aftercare of it it might get infected or like, anything like that we all probably saw there was a picture that did the rounds years ago I don't know how real it was of the guy that's still on a plug socket do you remember this it's literally like a plug socket hole yeah, in his foot in his foot yeah, yeah. that has to have been like the equivalent in this film also I was thinking just to I don't want to pick the film apart because I do like it. The well, length yeah. of that nail, that would have, I mean, like that would have gone through to the other side of her foot, surely. Yeah. They do, they do it well, don't they? Because the daughter's coming down the stairs later and you're like, oh no, please don't you do it as well. And then they let her go past it. But yeah, that's that's horrific. The one thing I can compare that to, I, I don't know if it's something to do with feet or anything like that, but it just makes me squeamish and, well, I don't know, makes my, my teeth stand on edge like that scene like you said, for me, was the worst part of the film. Even though you, there's monsters killing people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, compare it to, have you ever seen House of Wax? I know the Achilles moment. It's Paris Hill, isn't it? Yeah. That scene, I just remember, that's the one thing I took from that whole film where I just I just can't look at it. When they, yeah, when they cut her Achilles. I was, oh. I, was a, I was a Paris Hilton guy at that stage as well, so weird time in my life. I remember <laughs> going from... Kira Knightley to uh, Paris Hilton. So I clearly had a thing for very skinny women at that stage, <laughs> at that stage of my life. 
don't know why something was going on. Um, yeah, but then her standing, her standing on that. You're right, though. It is kind of almost forgotten about Alfie. Yeah, yeah. She just carries on. I mean, she's got worse things to deal with, such as giving birth. <laughs> yeah. Well, so before she accepted this film, the two others they had in mind for it were Amy Adams and Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway seems to be linked to a lot of films we do, and I can never picture her in the role. Amy yeah. Adams, I can very easily picture doing Amy Adams, this. yeah. Anne Hathaway, I don't know. There's some potential there, but I think, well, I, I think neither would have worked as well as how Emily Blunt did No, it. I don't think I've watched any of her like serious work. So whenever I see her linked to something like this, I don't have like a reference point in my yeah. mind. It's either like a comedy she's done or Batman, basically. <laughs> because um, she was initially linked to Silver Linings Playbook mm-hmm. and I couldn't picture her doing that either. Mm-hmm. But obviously she is an unbelievable act- actor because she's got this far, basically. Yeah. It's weird, but Amy Adams feels... She'd, the, had, she'd have smashed it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You basically need to picture the crying face they're doing when she's kind of fighting back <laughs> the tears and Amy Adams I can picture doing that, that very tea. easily yeah. yeah now plot holes are as I was one of the things that were really picked out picked apart by this the, the childbirth aspect to it the best comparison I have are the people that say and I've referenced this before I gave up on Lost when I saw a polar bear in the jungle. Right. And it's like, was that the most outlandish thing you'd seen even on that program to date? But that was the thing that turned you off. Right, yeah. A big issue for people is, why would you have another that, kid? Yeah. Just, but I do think... I don't think there's a but. It's just, what are you well, doing? So, obviously, horrendous decision-making, but... What? <laughs> People have brought kids into the world in awful circumstances since time began. I get that. But At when- some stage, they're running out of protection and... His Krasinski, a week, basically. I don't know if he took her down to the waterfall. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but at some stage, <laughs> she's trying to get over losing one child and it's like, how quickly do you bring up the conversation of getting another pet when one dies? And... It didn't take them long to say. Yeah, but the difference. He's never going to replace Bo, but. But the difference is, the whole pet analogy is you're not scared of being killed by. Hey, no, making no. You're, you're, you're going to bring into the world something which makes noise, and you can't actually control I, it making noise or not. I want to clarify. I wasn't comparing a baby to a pet. <laughs> I was just saying. It seems like immediately they thought having another kid is going to make this feel better or there was no thought at all. Mm. I get, yeah, it could have been, like you said, if she's getting over the loss of the the other kids, um, obviously complex relationship stuff, it could have, it it could have been an accident, but then I suppose there's no way of then, I think once you're pregnant in that world, you kind of, you have to go with it kind of thing. So, I mean, human beings are just wired to procreate. So at some stage, this was going to be a thing. There is a collective of people that say when they watched this at the cinema, they thought they had just decided to kill the baby when they put her in in, in, the box. Like it was just, they were were just euthanizing the baby. (laughs) I saw it referred to as a gas coffin. (laughs) The most mental, 
they've got the lighter next to the gas that is hooked up to the and it's literally lighting up the coffin. It's insane what <laughs> what they're what they're doing here. That gas coffin is a big feature of the second film. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think they work backwards in this. I think it went this simple. They had the concept of any noise is what brings on the monsters. Mm-hmm. And then someone in the room said, imagine if you had to give birth in that. Yeah. That's, yeah. And they went, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because what, the poster, she's in the bathtub, uh-huh. covering her face, trying not to scream. Don't get me wrong, that whole scene is brilliant. Yeah. The, but I don't, yeah, I don't think they've thought of the, the whole concept of, right, now we've actually got this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this crying baby into the world. How so are they going to survive? I know as well... An explanation I saw was the reason they make the birth so bloody, because that shouldn't be a thing, Mm -hmm. is to cover up why the baby doesn't cry immediately. And so that's, if anyone wants to pick it apart, that's their reason of saying, it wasn't wasn't a perfect birth, this is the the reason. But even after it's born, that is the quietest baby in history. Ah... The soundproofed room is is the the elephant in this whole situation. That why why is nobody ever in the soundproofed room? It, the, the room they have soundproofed is the one where the dad goes, "Don't you dare come down here because I've got a notice board up that has warnings." I um, mean, we can get we can get to the ending. It's it's not a it's a clever it's not a clever film. It's a cleverly done film. Can I that, just jump in as well with yeah. the soundproof room? Why didn't they do that to the whole house? There's so. There's a number of things people have brought up. People have said, if the whole waterfall thing works, could you not have done something so you've constantly got this loud noise yeah. that, that's around your house? And they say, well, the aliens are that, the monsters are that powerful, they would have just wrecked it, mm-hmm. basically. No, I understand. I heard, I heard someone arguing, like, oh, why would you not just go and live next to the waterfall? I was like, well, the difference is, look at the house and all the supplies they have where they live. How are you going to have that? At, what you're just going to build a hut next to the yeah, waterfall? And you also kind can't build a house in silence. Exactly, so yeah. that's part of the issue. Yeah, the scene with the birth is incredible. The monster in that her waters break. Has has there ever been a positive moment in a film where waters have broken? I feel like it's always <laughs> just a, like a horrific moment when it happens. Yeah, it's it's just it's just really good. the The newborn is played by twins, right? How do you, I can understand if you maybe you've got an outgoing child and you say, this is the perfect thing. We're going to get them into this early. We'll see if they like it. At what stage do you put your kid, your newborn kid forward for film? I don't get how that works. <laughs> like we, our old English teacher when I was at school, her dog was a um, dog that was used in films. Right. So, their dog was used in um what's the Clive Owen post apocalyptic one? That's something of tomorrow. Child Children of Men, that's how I'm right. Mm. Yeah. Her dog was in that and she would say that, tell us that constantly. And that was just someone stopped them in the street and said, Oh, your dog would be good yeah. for this. Here's this card, ring it up, you'll get paid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Be a cool thing having your dog in films. I can't imagine I mean, it'd be a weird if you got stopped in the street and someone went, that is just 
fantastic type of bit. That is just a look I'm looking for for my films. Take my card. We're going to put him in a little coffin, but not for long. And I, I read up on this, and it says, everyone on set was very nervous about putting the babies in the padded box, but, <laughs> but the parents were supportive, and the scenes were shot as quickly as possible to minimise any possible risk. Wild, wild guys. Yeah. I I kind of half understand it. If it was like just people who worked on the set, and they were like, right, we could do with some newborns yeah. here. Like, oh, I know someone who might yeah. be able to help out. But yeah, what you're saying... But how do you even apply to that? Like, what's the process? Well, like, can you imagine if someone stopped you in the street and you've got to go home and sell this to your girlfriend? Oh, yeah. You know, you got to say, look, now let me finish before you cut me off. They're going to have to be in this little coffin, but, I mean, it might be a good thing to look back on. We're going to get this good money out of it. Everyone's got a price, I suppose. And, yeah. I just assumed, previous, like you've said, it would be just someone on the set because you can't direct a baby. Yeah. So it's like, you had a kid recently. Yeah. Or like, oh, my sister's just had twins. Yeah. I'll see if she can help out. Start timing your pregnancies to try and be around the latest Marvel film if you're a showrunner <laughs> there. It's, uh, it's just it's bizarre. that The scene underwater is probably the only time I was a little taken out of it because I just thought they went from being almost this like mindless being that operates solely for hunting mm-hmm. and just by sound. And then it's, it's just when it chooses to go underwater, yeah. I thought that does not seem like the monster I saw at any other time. No. The only other time really that I thought the same was uh, when it smashes one of the speakers at the end of the film and it's kind of, it's, it feels it's stood up human-like then. It slaps in a way that's yeah. human-like. Yeah, just those two moments, I thought it was almost like it was a different creature to what we see, like it's galloping almost when it takes out the kid. I understand you can't build suspense with something that's like a bull in a china shop, but you can have it where it runs to the point where it's heard the noise, it stops, and then we're looking around, we're looking around, we're looking around, and then the baby goes, and then it charges to that position and so on. Seemed a better way of doing it than it diving underwater. And there's a point I thought when it started crying that she was going to have to put it underwater for a second. Or the baby. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm not in that situation <laughs> with King Herod. Yeah, just uh, a, a wild scene, very well done. And the good thing is that we've got this whole situation taking place the other side of the property yeah, where the two kids separated, yeah they? and we know that yes they've heard something and they're leaving but it's because they're now going after the other kids yeah. instead it's yeah very oh, yeah you've got the kids in peril in the green you at the same time that's just as rough as um the nail like the two most suspenseful parts of the film the two most uncomfortable parts for me are the foot on the nail and the kid going under <laughs> In their like, was it corn in the silo? Basically, yeah, some sort of corn or grain or something. Do you know, multiple people die that way every yeah. year. Crazy. Yeah, it's mad. It kind of debunks Titanic by the fact that two of them are able to get on that door also <laughs> when they need to. Yeah, they do. They do a good job, I thought, at the start of the film with kind of familiarising us with the property. It's almost like a video game map. Like we know the path that leads up to the house, the building that's kind of off the house, 
They've got the soundproof in there, the car out front. Even the pathways they've created with like the sand. Yeah, and we kind of... Stop the footsteps. We very quickly know where everything is. Mm -hmm. We know he's there, he's in the front of the house, he's whatever. It's like we... We had a game. I don't know how we got this game. We had a game, uh, Time Splitters 2. We had it on the PlayStation when we were younger, mm. and there's a map called the, the Chinese, basically. Yeah. And all three of us, all you had to do was have the tiniest glance at someone else's screen back when you had the split screen games and you knew where someone else was. And this is like, like that with yeah. just everywhere, whether it's well lit, whether it's not. And so when they go off into the field, it's taking us really to the first unknown that we've been to because them in the shops like we know what a shop's like so even that distance that isn't that great is that great they introduced the CCTV cameras which yeah works for the film yeah it's, it's very good and then the death for Krasinski's character there probably was a better way to handle it I feel like <laughs> he didn't need to go out like that even the first time that he gets kind of clapped that yeah. was shocking. Mm-hmm. I feel like once they'd killed the first kid, they couldn't kill another kid. So they were safe. <laughs> and so it's like, which one of you two... It was always going to lead up to a parent sacrificing themselves, yeah, because, wasn't it? So we, we know now that we got A Quiet Place 2 and Emily Blunt is at the face of it. When you were watching, who felt like the main character? Did it feel like Krasinski's character or did it feel like Emily Blunt's character? Probably. That feels a far easier question in hindsight. Yeah. I, think. I don't think there was... Main character as per se, it's more Krasinski is the leader of the family as kind of like the protector kind of thing. So he kind of takes takes the charge. If half an hour in, I said to you, you got to put your money on which of these is going to be killed. It would be Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah. And so that was yeah, very shocking. Again, the way he does it, we we know what's coming because he's seen the old he's seen the old man do it. <laughs> But again, that, that goes into the role of him being the protector again, isn't it? It's- yeah, he says the script initially said, um, I love you. And then he does it. And he said someone on the set, it wasn't even like anyone that he named, said, should you not change that to I've always loved you? Mm. And he said he just cried when he heard it. And he's like, that's just so perfect. And so he adds that to the script. People said they were crying in the cinemas. Didn't quite do that for me. But <laughs> yeah, very... Very, very good. A slight plot hole is that the beast is able to rip through the wall of the silo but can't get into the truck, the roof of the truck, yeah. when it's banging down on it. But I didn't think about that until I saw someone say it. And they don't drive the truck, do they? they it looks like they because take the handbrake up and they just go backwards in a straight line. Because then at the end, it looked like it was just properly driving. I was like, hang on. How how have they learned that? But I yeah, think I, I just took the took that the wrong way. And like you yeah, said, it, it, I, I think they just, just rolling. And it, yeah, it's just a perfect slope of it. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to do I thought, that. how have they learned to drive without making a noise? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was how I took it yesterday yeah. when I watched it back. Very good. It is tense. The second film, it's a mixture between feeling bad for the girl and right. then every so often she whinges one too many times. You're like, will you just shut up, please, <laughs> and just get on with this because you're putting everyone at risk here. <laughs> and the, the kid is a bit like that. Um, a slight criticism I have, a film that's so concentrated on the power of sound, they use this same score 
right through the film to basically say you should be scared now mm-hmm. when someone's going to die and I didn't think you needed it like you, the film could easily be silent the whole yeah. way through and it could be done like that let's talk about the ending should do you think they should have been able to kill them with a gun because I felt if it was that simple we didn't really need the whole sound thing I the way I took it is Obviously, the sound was their weakness, and the whole sound point leading up to that is what weakened them enough to be able to be killed with the gun. That's fair. Whereas if you just went at them one-on-one with a gun, you wouldn't stand a chance. Well, yeah, because the army surely could then have wiped them out exactly. if you can kill them with, yeah. the, with the wound. People, Some people don't like the news. I quite like the newspapers. I understand maybe the priority wouldn't have been to continue printing <laughs> while that was all going on, but... I quite liked it. I took it as a bit of an Easter egg where they spoke about uh, like a me- it coming down like a meteor. And mm-hmm. I don't know how recently you would have watched Cloverfield, but we did it on on the pod uh, not so long back. And at the end of it, it, it comes down from space and crashes in the sea, basically. Yeah. And so it matched up with that. And I took that as a kind of a little play and that would have been how they could have tied it in. Yeah, the hearing aid... It feels so obvious, but I can understand why to her specifically it wouldn't be yeah. because she's not hearing that sound, is she? It's, that's more for us. Mm-hmm. It's she's she's got like a pain, basically. Is this? I think that's, that's what I said yeah. from it. Yeah, she's getting pain out of it, but the actual sound is what we can hear. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I think maybe they could have made the realisation more subtle than a big sign on the wall saying weaknesses, sound. <laughs> it felt like... I don't know why... I understand he doesn't want his kids to think there's no hope. But her being kept out of there feels mm-hmm. like if there had been something there that he didn't want them to see, like there was no real thing down there that yeah. I feel like... Unless it's more just for his piece of... Like his sanctuary, basically... I don't know. The sequel is even jumpier. I would definitely recommend watching the sequel. From my memory of the second, I preferred the second. As soon as I finished yesterday, I thought, I think I prefer the second. Yeah. I'll but, definitely give the second one a try. Yeah, Randomly, they, I, think it's, I think the second one's free on Prime, but you had to pay for the first yeah, one. Yeah, they just take it to like, the budget, I guess, is, is bigger and so they can go a yeah. bit further with it. Let's do... Uh, let's I, do would, I would quite like to going back to the ending and yeah. seeing them take down a few more rather than you know it's kind of like right we know how to kill them now it's kind of like let's go yeah. and she like cocks the shotgun and then yeah. that's the ending it's a bit abrupt for me yeah, it's like an action movie ending that yeah isn't it? I'd like them to actually have like gone out and taken a few more down yeah, that's usually where you'd get some like uh, rock music kicking up bow, <laughs> bow, <laughs> as, she, as she cocks the shotgun yeah yeah when, when I was thinking back to it I thought they played it over some speakers and you kind of saw a couple of them drop or run away or something. Mm. That, was, that must be a part of the second film at some stage. Yeah. Um, the second film essentially, it's, it's basically, it's not quite that simple. Right. Because I thought, even with the sound, what we're saying about the gun, if the thing had just popped or something, like the sound and it mm-hmm. ramped it up and then it just exploded and then, it, okay, the sound is what kills them. Yeah then that would have worked rather than it just kind of pushes them away. Mm. It's enough for deterrent, but for the short term, that's all they need is to just beam that around their house and, and they're yeah. sorted, but that doesn't help them uh, when they need to go and get supplies. 
for the awards, MVP of this film, the little girl, the little boy, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt. You can't say the girl simply because of the battery incident. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you brought this upon yourselves. Um, it's got to be John Krasinski, surely. For me, anyway. Yeah. I'm- Emily Blunt, kind of because she has her own journey with the whole birth on she her own. She doesn't do a lot till the end. But then she did, I mean, she does go through childbirth, I guess. Yeah. So I don't want to... Uh, In complete silence. I, I'll give it to Krasinski, but it's closer than I first thought. Yeah. Star of the film, actor who has the best performance in the film. I'd say Emily Blunt on that yeah, one. Yeah, I agree. Best moment slash scene. Best moment slash scene. I wouldn't necessarily say best, but certainly the one I take away away from it every time I watch it is the nail in the foot. Just, <laughs> I, you just can't stop thinking about it after you've seen it again. I'm going to go for the opening scene. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, that. if you can, I don't know how much we can call the scene, probably from them leaving, probably them in the shop to, to the, bridge. the kid. Yeah, yeah, from the kid game. With Plus. that as well, I think that's so well done because you kind of know something's going to come and what better place to do it than on a bridge where there is literally no escape? Like, you're in the middle of that bridge. Like, unless you're jumping off it, <laughs> yeah. like, you, you know that that's, like, the perfect setting for something horrible going to happen in the film. It also, I always think it's good when it's in broad daylight. Yeah. Like, this isn't just the horrors take place at night. This is, like... Because they could easily have gone down that route and done it like, okay, they only come out at night kind of thing. Well, it's like if you're fine during the day. Yeah, if, if you're home alone, someone can break in your house at two o'clock in the afternoon if they yeah. want, but we just assume that two o'clock in the morning is when exactly. it's only, it's only going to happen then. Best quote, kind of can skip past that because there aren't really any. <laughs> All right, we haven't changed these yet. I need to change these for next week. Would you rather add... You Mar- could say best quote, sorry. I know it's not really yeah. a quote, is the I've always loved you just yeah, in sign language, nice. I suppose. Would you would you rather add Mark Wahlberg, Zac Efron, or Tobey Maguire to this movie? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I need to change. We got a new season. I've not changed these yet. Is this to replace the character or just bring yeah, in the character? Yeah. Well, I mean, if every every creature is just replaced by yeah. little Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be terrified. Out of the three, I'd bring in Mark Wahlberg. I think if if you were to replace John Krasinski with any of those three. Mark Wahlberg would do the better job. Yeah, Zac Efron's a bit younger. Yeah. <laughs> Toby McCoy, I just... Yeah, yeah I just don't think he's have got you it seen, in him. Have you seen Babylon? No. Okay, his character in that, yeah. He's very good. Just one of the weirdest roles you'll right. see him doing, yeah. He's like a vampire-looking mob boss, basically. Babylon was one of the things where it just didn't... When I saw the trailer, I was just like, what's the point of the film? It didn't do a lot. For me, trailer-wise, I, I saw it at that fancy cinema in Chatham, but Alex got me it for yes, Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's enjoyable. It's, it's long. Yeah. Is it one of those where you don't go in expecting much? But uh, like, No, because no, I think... Have you seen Whiplash? I've seen half of it. Okay. But so, wh- that, I, I like the concept of it. So Yeah, so it's, it's the same director, and he kind of takes these tragic characters and it's kind of like chasing a dream and mm-hmm. what you the the kind of rough you have to go through to yeah. get there and is it worth it basically and it's the same so this time it's with Hollywood and right. so it's going through Hollywood to achieve this and it's just not what Margot Robbie thinks it would be I think that was what downplayed it a bit in the trailer because you 
for me anyway, I didn't get enough of that in the trailer. It was just kind of so, like, oh, this is Hollywood. It's a big party. Yeah, so she's very good in it. Um, I forget the the main guy's name. Brad Pitt is very good in it yeah. as well. Um, I've not seen some of his others, but TK, for example, I don't know how you're, the like Venn diagram of the films you like and the films he likes. He liked that enough as much and he liked Whiplash already enough that it made him go and watch La La Land because it was the same director again to kind of I'm not going to speak about La La Land <laughs> so I'm that's so I'm, I don't know if I'm yeah. a self or Babylon for you you just told me that it's the same director so yeah. that's so that's he's able to make Babylon because of the success of La La right. Land but he makes Whiplash essentially so he can make La La Land yeah so it's, it's kind of a no, Babylon, I'd definitely give it a chance. Yeah. Damien, uh, Damien Chazelle. Uh, uh, if you had to make a spin-off movie... Sorry, who was your answer for the... Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably have to agree with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was three other names that we had that whatever film we did last week... Rambo, where there's not a single woman in Rambo, so I do have... <laughs> I do have a alternative for that while I think of that uh, if you had to make a spin-off movie around a side character in this film who would it be about it has to be the old Ooh. man there isn't really, <laughs> there's, really say, many there's not really any side characters um, yeah it, it, I think it would just have to be the old couple because really okay. we're struggling for options here <laughs> would you rather add Jennifer Lawrence Florence Pugh or Rose Byrne to this movie ooh Jennifer Lawrence, no. I think I'm going Rose Byrne. I was actually, yeah. To replace Emily Blunt. Yeah. Yeah, Rose Byrne, I'd say. That's not just because of age. Don't let people think that's what we're saying. (laughs) Again, these are harder questions for this film in particular. In the gift shop based around this film, what's the highest selling item? Jesus Christ, what? So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one for this one. Yeah. The idea is that Say, oh, Disney sorry, I, thought, th- I thought you meant the shop they were in. No, the no. So, like, Disney theme park right. ride is made about this. When you go through the turnstiles at the end, the mm-hmm. big gift shop, what's that? So, usually it's like something someone's worn. It's uh, the rocket the- ship, I'd say. Yeah, that's a nice shout. That's, Just yeah, it's a, that's a symbol nice of the film, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's a very nice shout. Uh, and finally. Would this film be better as a Judd Apatow comedy, a Michael Bay action movie, or a South Park spin-off episode? <laughs> I'd enjoy all three very much, I think. So I think Michael Bay's company is the one that's at the start. Yeah. It's like prime something. Yeah. Um, I think out of the three, the Michael Bay action movie would work the yeah. most, but a South Park spin-off episode, I'd, I'd love to watch yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end. So thank you for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. Next week, we're actually doing a film that technically we've covered before, and that is Primal Fear, but the episode was vaulted and never released. So first time technically, well, first time that it'll be released on the podcast. TK's coming in for that, one of his favourite films of all time. So uh, no pressure on me to... uh, feel the same way. I do like the film though, so it'll be my second time watching it, see how that twist ages. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Adios.